This is Glistening Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories from people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. episode, I talk with Jason Goldberg, also known as Jason the Speaker. Not intimidating at all. Okay, yes, Barry. Jason is an international speaker, author, and coach, and you'll see why as you listen. He takes us down the winding road that led him to finding what he's wholly passionate about, which is in a word, service. And how could that story possibly relate to Bruce Lee and Willy Wonka? Well, you'll have to listen to find out. Hey, Jason. Welcome to the show. Hello, Jane. Thank you so much for having me here. I am so, so, so stoked to be here with you. Okay, so I'm sort of in the same boat. I'm really excited to have you here. But um, when I'm bringing someone on the show who goes by the name Jason the Speaker, I have to tell you, I'm a little bit intimidated on a talk show like that. But I think we'll do great. I'll try to keep up with you. How about that? Well, the good thing is you're already speaking, so you're, you're already doing a terrific <laughs> job. It's, it's working. You know, you're, you're also Jane the Speaker, and you're Jane the Breather, and I'm Jason the Breather. Like, we're doing all the stuff that we, that oh, we have. Oh, so good way of perfect. looking at it. Take out, yeah, take out all the fear. Awesome, awesome. So um, one of the reasons I was really looking forward to speaking with you, aside from just all of the things that are out there about all of the work that you do, is that when we met, you know, through in Theos a while back, um, I think I've told you the story that... You know, we posted out there on that site on Oasis and talked here and there. Everybody did. And it was really interesting and exciting. And um, it was once you posted a video that you took like at home, just about some growth opportunities, personal growth and things like that. And I could really hear your voice and see your authentic style that I was just like, wow, um, I want to know more about him. And you're just naturally inspiring. And those are the kind of people that I want to make sure everybody has the opportunity to hear. And that's why I wanted to talk with you today. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm just a mirror for you. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. our, first com- our first actual conversation, too, which was, you know, at least two years ago. Right. Probably right about two years ago, actually. And uh, I just feel in the same way about you hearing your story, hearing the amazing ideas you had for things you wanted to do in the world. And, and it's, it's fantastic. And I love that you say I'm somebody who's naturally inspiring because the first 30 years of my life, I was probably more naturally depressing. Uh, so it's <laughs> nice to see that whatever I've changed in my life looks natural. That, that's good to hear. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. I think that that's what I love. Like when you meet people where they're at at that point, you don't really realize all that backstory. And yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things I've had to learn is like I've seen people and I admire them and I think, wow, I really wish I was like that or that I had more of that confidence or whatever it was at the time. Not really thinking about the fact that they probably didn't start that way. There was probably some yeah. work that happened along the way. And um, so it's great that you bring that up. In fact, One of the things that I really wanted to know about you is, did you always, 
have this passion for speaking and serving and being out there in the public? You know, I think I always had a passion for being a class clown. <laughs> and so I think I think that somehow I think maybe what I do now is the is the mature professional version <laughs> of being a class clown. <laughs> I somehow figured out how to get paid to just be the annoying kid who, who never shuts up and uh, and hopefully has something valuable to say. Uh, so I think I always had a natural element of performing of wanting to be the center of attention, which is really weird because at the same time I also uh, I also kind of felt like the need to hide myself a lot mm-hmm. because of, because of the way I looked and and you know growing up very overweight. So when I say the way I look, just being overweight my entire life and and you know kids are not typically super nice and accepting uh, and loving and unconditional with their support of you as a human when you're you know ten, eleven, twelve, right. fifteen. 16 years old. And so it was so weird. It was like this element of like, I want to be hidden. And at the same time, I know that physically I can't be hidden, right? Cause I'm such a big kid. I can't be hidden. So I may as well really put myself out there in a way that like kind of covers up this thing that I don't want people to see. And so I think like the comedy and the performing came out of necessity. It's something I cultivated because I thought it was a, that it would add value and B that it would kind of cover up the thing that I didn't want people to see. Mm-hmm. So so what started off as kind of a necessity for me to feel some kind of value and or to shield myself from being judged has now you know, brought me to a point where I can actually use that thing. Like the thing that I, I created to protect me is now the thing that I use to project me like out into the world. You know, it's really funny because I was just talking with somebody last night about that. I mean, I went through some of that same experience as a child, you know, had a lot of I was not the one that was in, in all the click groups or part of any of that. I uh, had a lot of the same experience as you. And I even said in that conversation, what I learned, the bullying and the, you know, I don't know, shunning or whatever you want to call it that I went through in school, I think is really what gave me my compassion to be with people today or now in my life in different ways and show up differently. Like without that, I wouldn't be who I am today. So I'm actually in a way grateful for it. Yeah, I'm. I'm absolutely right there with you. I totally agree. And that's another thing, compassion, empathy, like all these things that, you know, people would probably say, oh, this is a natural thing about me now mm-hmm. are things that, you know, I cultivated out of necessity. So it's it's great to kind of look at, it's great to look at the clues of, of the best parts of you now mm-hmm. and see how those things probably develop from not so great of a place. Like not always, it's not always the case, but right. but if you, if you look back and you see like the things that you're really good at now, like you said, compassion, you can probably trace it back to something that you never thought would have served you. And now boom, look at it. It's, it's exactly what's projecting you to do what you're doing on this conversation with me right now. <laughs> I know. And that's the thing. I think we, uh, we do forget that those hard times are what really gives us our strength. You know, the, yeah. the challenges are what gives us our strength. I know, and, and we all know on the show that I am not always ready with the quotes, but I know there's this quote out there about how, um, I think it's a Bruce Lee quote. You might be able to pull it out of your head because they're good at this, um, is that I wouldn't wish for an easy life because then I wouldn't grow, you know, that sort of like around that. And I'm totally butchering it. But the things that we do that the things that we run into the obstacles that we overcome are the things that um, give us all that strength. So we have to love them. I, I love that. And, and there's another incredible Bruce Lee quote that I don't know if you've ever heard it before, but it goes, Hi-ya! <laughs> so that's, that's a really, that one always moves my spirit a lot when I hear it. I just, I everyone's, yeah, everyone's really happy I didn't quote that one because it would have come out probably at a lot higher pitch and hurt their ears. <laughs> In fact, I was watching that track as you did it and going, whoa, that will be. <laughs> I, just, I just blew out everybody's speakers and I, I, you're going to have to buy everybody that's listening to this brand new headphones now. 
Um, so another, so first of all, I want to just congratulate you on your TED Talk. I watched it a couple times, and it's just beautiful. And I hope everybody gets a chance to watch it. I'll have all of your things linked in the show notes. But the the, the manufacturing fascination, it's a really you know, left brain term for it. And you kind of talked about that in the in the talk about how we get into this logic mode of problem solving. And during that, we aren't able to use that other part of our brain that lets us have the fascination. And I was wondering when you felt that you got that back. Was it at that moment that you described in the talk? Or do you think that was there was earlier times when that was coming back for you? And maybe describe yeah. it a little bit for people who haven't seen it yet. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, and, and you nailed it. Like it was, it was purposely done that I, I called the talk how to manufacture fascination because manufacture and fascination just seem to be diametrically opposed. Right, like, right. You, you, would, you know, like when I think of the word manufacture, I think of like a conveyor belt in a factory that's like plugging widgets in and there's no creativity and it's very programmed. And so I, I kind of wanted to throw people with that. And I, I've only had one person give me negative feedback on that so far saying manufacture sounds dirty and manufacture sounds underhand. And I get it. Everybody has their own opinion. And mm-hmm. I thank that person because that's what, what they believe in their world. And that's great. But for me, the reason I chose the word manufacturer is because I think that fascination has become something. And, and this is me also coming from, you know, the IT background and, and being in a place where I was paid to be analytical, not to be creative. Right. And, and in a sense, I actually was still being creative because even in an analytical sense of being in IT, you know, how creative you get about solving problems and, and creating new opportunities using technology actually does tap into your creativity. But that's not the way it's looked at. It's looked at very analytical, very binary, very on or off, very, you know, one or zero. And, and so for me… It was about finally seeing that fascination doesn't have to be talked about as, you know, this woo-woo, airy-fairy, when when the muse arrives and you happen to be in the perfect location in the Himalayas meditating ever so beautifully, that fascination just strikes you. Uh, it can be something that you actually create from the inside out. And so when I use the word manufacture, what I'm really saying is there is a way that we can consciously choose to be fascinated at any moment instead of waiting for some outside stimulus or outside influence to create that feeling for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really, I, the examples you gave in the talk are really beautiful. So I hope everybody takes the time to listen to it. It's it's really well done. And I, it made me think of, I had sort of a, that you talked about the coffee shop, I think. Um, and yeah. how, you know, so I had a similar situation to that, that I wrote about before seeing your talk. And I went in, you know, with, in a rush and with sort of like a lot of my brain. And then I just, for whatever reason, decided to pause and just be in the moment and really look around. And what I realized is then I was smiling at another person and another person had a conversation with me and the way that I responded to the person create, you know, making the coffee was so different than if I had been completely in my head during that moment. And so I think it's beyond, beyond fascination, creating it, manufacturing it, it actually opens us up to receiving those kinds of moments that we can't receive when we're fully in logic mode. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I think you're what 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 I'm hearing you say, and what I and what I see in my own life as well is that we have to take you know personal responsibility. This is this is you know my whole message of self leadership. We have to take the, the self leadership that is innate and inherent inside of us mm-hmm. to prime ourselves to experience fascination. It's nobody's job to bestow fascination upon us. It's nobody's job to slow us down and, and force us to see miracles in the mundane that are around us. It is our personal responsibility to have the courage to 
slow down and to increase our consciousness in any given moment and see just how absolutely fascinating everything can be around you. And I don't think for a second that this is something that we're going to do 24 hours a day mm-hmm. or, even, or even every waking moment of the day. Um, there are plenty of times that I'm rushing around and, and really not present and not in the moment and kind of you know going back and forth between things. And I know what that feels like versus when I slow down and I really see the miracles that are all around me. So it's not something that you have to do all the time, but even if you make the time and, and, and do that once or twice a day, you'll feel a whole shift in your energy and a whole shift in the way you relate to your world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I totally get that. Like, I think that, you know, I like you, I think I'm at a pretty fast pace all the time. I'm doing a lot of different things at once and which I love and I'm creating a lot of different things. I have a lot of responsibilities. I, you know, I'm just like on most of the time. But what I find I do is just in the like, just okay, so driving to the gym, it's the same route every day, it's the same 10 minutes. But when I go in the morning, what I try to do is just really observe the sunrise, observe what's, you know, the horizon that I'm because I'm kind of out in the country. And that little bit, it's like, um, it's like a drink, you know what I mean? Like a drink of water, like it's that same sort of like replenishment that we get from water to our body. And that's what that does to my spirit, just noticing those things in each moment, just the littlest things like going for a walk and seeing like a flower that I haven't seen yet or um, noticing the way my dog <laughs> Franny will like rub her ears on the ground when she's outside, like just noticing that it's re- literally like taking a drink for my, for my spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it takes, it takes gratitude and appreciation to a whole nother level because mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, gratitude, it's like, you know, some people do gratitude lists and, and I did that for a long time and it was great in the beginning. And then it's become, it became one more list. It became one right. more thing I'm writing down. Right. And so it's like the, the, the idea behind a gratitude list is not just to capture things on paper as a, as a, a written exercise. It's to slow down and actually feel those things and why they're so important to you. And so, you know, instead of doing that reflectively uh, on a gratitude list, which is great, there's nothing wrong with that or or even proactively in the morning before you start your day again that's great any practice like that is wonderful why not do it in the moment as you're experiencing things like you know this is the difference between the people like like me like i've had stress in the past when i'm on a vacation or i'm experiencing something where i have to make sure i get pictures of this so i can remember it later (laughs) versus putting the stupid phone down and really experiencing it now And it's like when we really slow down and see how much power there is in experiencing what we're experiencing now, instead of trying to stockpile a memory to reference later, we can really, really experience that thing in a new way. It takes an effort, though, in today's world, don't you think? I mean, it's it's almost like a practice, like people who practice meditation every day, which I will admit I I don't do, but I'm trying to get to that and working on that. But just the practice of pausing and it's but it's I think for for me, that practice of noticing has become so ingrained that it's a habit. And that's what I love when it becomes this like, oh, I'm outside. I need to see something new. I need to look what's out there that I haven't seen, you know, or I'm, um, well, I'm listening to you and I'm like fully in this moment because I'm excited to hear everything that you're going to say. So it's taking that, it's be, it becomes a habit eventually, which is what you really want, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you nailed it. I, I totally agree. So, um, I saw that you spoke at at A Fest. They changed the name yeah. of it. Was it Awesomeness Fest or Awesome Fest it was, before? Yeah, it was it was Awesomeness Fest before, and now they they've changed it to A Fest because they're trying to. I think it's it looks more matured. Right. I, I'm not sure what it is, but yeah, it's it's, a, it's an incredible event. So it's kind of their own class clown transition from you know an Awesomeness Fest yeah. to a real a real event. So how exactly. did that how did that feel to be part of that? I mean, was that something you always like for a long time and wanted to do? 
And how did that come about? Tell me a little bit about that. Cause I think, uh, some other people I know might like to do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was an incredible experience and I'm a huge, huge fan of Mind Valley. I just mm-hmm. think they do incredible work. They have incredible authors and, uh, and, and Awesomeness Fest was something that I had always wanted to go to. And then it happened to be that, you know, I was able to secure actually two, two talks at the event. So I spoke on the main stage and then I also did a, a breakout session, a smaller class for about 40 people, uh, the, the day after I spoke and, and both of those things were incredible. And it was, a, it was just great. It's, it's so great to be in a place where, you know, people just get you like they're they're into all the stuff that you're you're into like there's nobody you can go up to (laughs) yeah if i go up to somebody there randomly and say like you know your 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 feeling is directly caused by what you're thinking right now they go yeah okay that makes sense right whereas whereas in everyday life they're like what the hell are you talking about i feel like crap because somebody cut me off in traffic and it's that conversation just doesn't happen the same way in a certain tribe and that's okay. You know, everybody's on their own journey. Everybody's at their own level of, of consciousness and evolution. But it's just cool to be around people sometimes that really just get it and, and that are excited to get it even more. And, and where, you know, where hugging is not a weird thing. Hugging is what you do instead of shaking hands. Right, and right. It's just like that kind of thing is just really cool. And plus it was beautiful. It was Costa Rica. Right. Uh, it, was hot, it was hot as hell, which I'm not a huge fan of the heat, but <laughs> The scenery and the people totally made that worth it. And, uh, yeah, it was just an incredible event. And it's it's kind of like Burning Man and TED Talks kind of together. So there's mm-hmm. amazing speakers they bring out and, and, and teachers that do trainings and talks uh, during the day. And then in the evening they have these really epic parties where they just go all out. I mean the team at Mind Valley that coordinates this stuff, the parties they put on and the people – I mean they have people swinging around from things and aerial people mm. and fire breathing and just all this <laughs> crazy stuff. And it's, it's incredible. So that was really fun. And it came about from, you know, doing what I feel like I, I do fairly well, and that's really cultivating relationships and, and adding value wherever you can. And and so me speaking at, at AFES was the culmination of, you know, probably two years of, of really helping and being of service and, and creating relationships, and not as a strategy, but to really be of service. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so my goal when I started the relationship with the folks at Mind Valley was not to eventually be on stage at AFES. It was to serve them in that moment, and that just kept happening over and over and over again. Where they served me, I served them, and and through this you know beautiful relationship, I was able to to do work with them. Where I actually have a, a program now, a training program for coaches uh, through them, and, and hopefully some other stuff in the future. Uh, and and also I was able to speak at AFest. I'm going to speak at. They have another summit coming up in in August in uh, in, in San Diego uh, that I'm going to. Speak out as well, so it's really just constantly adding value and uh, and 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 being of service to people in your world. That's a great story, and I think that's how it's probably happened for most of the people who have um, shown up at that. Right? It's been this process of growth and change, and growth and change, and serving and, and receiving, and all of that. So I was wondering, yeah. for you, when did things shift? Like when did like I always think of? I mean, I sort of think part of getting to this point of inspiration in your life that there's some sort of awakening, especially if you're doing it from the perspective of service and gratitude. Mm. Um, when do you think that that's when you're like? When do you think that happened? When you shifted your thinking to that, and what do you think was the catalyst? Yeah. So there's been, you know, there's been a a few different shifts in my life and, and the, you know, the biggest one, and it's the one that really serves me in the work that I do the most now, because it's the thing that I'm, I'm most passionate about having other people see, uh, is, is about the power of self-leadership, about the power of personal responsibility and, and of really taking ownership of, of your world and of your experience of the world. And this was something I didn't know was an option for Mm -hmm. about the first 30 years of my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
and, and and I just I didn't I didn't get it. And even when I started looking at personal development, even then it was how can what book can I read that will tell me how to fix the people outside of me, how to fix the situations around me. Like even when I started looking at at self help, I was missing the word self. And, and I was trying to, you know, figure out how to fix everybody around me. So mm. I, I think that the mm. first big shift was really understanding that, you know, self-help, personal growth, you know, self and personal are the key words here. And so it really does start with me. And now, and to you and to probably most people listening to this are like, well, yeah, idiot, of course. It starts with, <laughs> I didn't say it. I didn't yeah, say no, it. But, but it's natural. <laughs> like that's a, for me, that was like a big shift was realizing like, oh my gosh, wait, like, you know, one of my favorite things that Steve Chandler ever told me was something he learned from his uh, a psychotherapist he worked with years ago named Nathaniel Brandon was Nathaniel Brandon would do these group coaching sessions and he'd bring everybody into a room together and he'd walk up to the whiteboard and he'd write one thing. He'd write this one thing on the board and then he'd step away and he'd step back so everybody could see it. And at the same time, everybody sees what he has written on this whiteboard and what it says is no one is coming. And that is like the most freeing, amazing, <laughs> powerful statement ever when you realize no one is coming. And of course, there's always a smart ass in the room right. who would raise their hand and say, oh, but Dr. Brandon, you came. And he would respond by saying, yeah, but I just came to tell you that nobody's coming. <laughs> so so it's, it's great, but it's so freeing. Like, And this is, this is how you know kind of where you are in hmm. your evolution. And, and there's nothing wrong with, with either of these two things I'm about to say. But if you see no one is coming and you immediately get tightness in your chest and you feel like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Uh, versus seeing no one is coming and saying, cool, then I get to create whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Whichever way you respond to that statement kind of shows you where you are on, on your, you know, your ladder of consciousness, on your, your kind of growth scale. And that's great. That's just something to notice. So if you're at a place where you hear no one is coming and immediately you get into this place of stress and lack and fear, then it's like, cool, let's just slow this down right. and feel that and welcome that and say, okay, I'm, I'm seeing right now that I'm, I'm not feeling super empowered. I'm feeling a little bit scared. No one is coming. What does that mean? What's going to have to emerge from within me if no one's coming to save me? Like these are all things that start opening up the unfolding, the evolution, what inside you, whatever's trying to emerge that's been trying to emerge probably your entire life and you just haven't really let it come through yet. That's the time where it's starting to come through. So acknowledge and welcome that even if it doesn't feel like you're there yet. Like just right. be with it. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it is getting past that. You know, once you stop feeling that fear – that's a huge piece. And living with intention is such a game changer. I mean, I found that myself that, yeah, I can decide that this is important to me today. This is what's important to me today or tomorrow or whatever. And it changes the way that I show up for everything that, you know, right now there are still things that I have to do in my life, whether I totally want to or not, but I'm working on that. Um, So, but the way that I show up for them is so different than when I was not making choices that were important to me in other areas that I could, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it is it is that shift. It is, you know, especially, you know, and, and this has happened, obviously, in my own life, and, and it, it happens in a lot of people's lives that become entrepreneurs or have some passion project is, you know, what that transition looks like. And, and, and what I finally came to notice was I was very naive in thinking that I could go to work all day and be miserable in my job, and then somehow turn on all this positive, amazing energy to work on my side gig. Right. It, right. Just, it doesn't. It just doesn't happen that way. And so, if if the goal for anybody is to transition from one job to another job, or from one relationship to another relationship, or from one relationship to not being in a relationship, or from a job to being an entrepreneur, 
the more you can really fall in like, you don't have to fall in love, but the more you can fall in like with where you are, the more you can really just honor and cherish and see the gifts and what you're doing now, Mm -hmm. the easier it is for you to port that same type of energy into whatever else it is you want to create. You know, I think I I think I've seen that a lot. I, I really I agree with what you're saying, and I think that's one of the things I've been lucky. I always call it luck that I get really lucky in my work, but maybe it's been a little bit of my doing too. For example, you know, I'm in I'm in a role I'm in a job that I currently really enjoy. I mean, I love it in a lot of ways, and they give me a lot of freedom to be creative and innovative, which are important things to me. I mean, if I'm I'm not really good at being stuck in a box, I like to have a lot of you know stretch room, mm-hmm. and so. What, if I look back on my career, even though I've been in the same general career in the same industry and in, you know for now um, and in the same business, it's it's be it stayed exciting and fun because I kept going. What's the next thing I can do? And what can I like? If I love to be innovative, how do I bring that to this job? So yeah. you know, I have this. Um, sometimes I get frustrated when people think, "Well, the job's not making me happy." I'm like, "Well, what are you bringing to the job?" to be happy. You know what I mean? I think that's an important part of it. There's two sides of that when you look at any role. I mean, it's not to say that sometimes people don't need to completely change careers or, you know, get out of a job that's not working for them. But I always think we have 50% ownership in in, um, making that if it's, you know, working for someone else and making that a great experience. And so it's how we show up. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's, that's a big, that's a big core tenet. Of, of what I believe too. It's, it's not about what you take from the situation. It's about what you bring to the situation right, exactly. and, and how much, like you said, how much fun, how much innovation, how much creativity, how much relaxation, how much openness are you bringing to mm-hmm. the job? Because the thing is, is that, you know, the, the, the really fun thing for better or for worse about beliefs is that the only job of, of a belief is to prove itself true. And so if you're inside of a job and the belief is the job sucks, there is going to be no choice but to find every piece of evidence in the world to prove to yourself <laughs> that you're right. Right. right? Like that's, that's the only job of a belief is to prove itself to be true. Hmm. And so if you can be just a little more open, and, and I was just talking to, I was just coaching somebody around this a couple of days ago who said like, you know, this project we're working on, it makes no sense. And I don't understand why we're, why we're doing it. And so if that's the belief she has when she walks in every day, she's going to find every piece of evidence to prove to her that it doesn't make sense and they shouldn't be doing it. And so just for fun, and, and to your point about you know mm-hmm. living with attention, JFT is, is my thing, just for today. Okay. Like, don't worry about doing it forever. JFT is like, we'll save everything in your world because you won't have to worry about doing it for life and then being a failure if you right, miss it. Right, right. So, so I asked her, JFT, just for today, can you go in with the intention set that there is a perfect reason why you're doing this? And it absolutely makes sense. And she was like, well, this is stupid because it's not what I believe. And I said, that's fine. <laughs> just just play with it right just just pretend like role play just improv <laughs> i know that resistance like, voice i have her yeah, in my head too <laughs> of course we, we all do that resistance but they, they have like a timeshare in our head and and our job is to have them give up more and more of the time, <laughs> time share. but but I, I asked her to do that kind of as an improv thing and, and she did it and she actually was talking to the person who was leading this project and brought that energy to the conversation and was actually able to see a lot more reasons why they should be doing it she doesn't get it completely she still mm-hmm. isn't totally accepting of it but she got some glimpse some understanding of why they're doing this thing that she never would have been able to see if she continued with this belief pattern of there's no reason we should be doing this this doesn't make sense well you know i totally get that because here's something that i've been playing with it's actually like a really fun game and i like to tell people about it because it's super fun and if it's fun why not do more of it so yeah i have this um game i play like when i when i see something that i want to do and i have some immediate reaction to why i can't do it like let's say um i really want to go to italy 
in November, let's just say, which may be something I really want to do. But um, so but then I'll be like, oh, I can't do it because of this. I can't do it because of this or whatever. I'll have all these reasons why I can't do that. And then what I do is the game is I um, come up with like eight or 10 or 12 crazy ways that it could happen, right? Okay, so um, here's what happens. I go in a lottery pool, we win the lottery by this date, and then this is how I go. Or um, I, uh, my, my job has a situation where they do need someone to go to Italy. So I come up with all these like crazy reasons, or I'm going to be featured on Airbnb about this particular place. Nice. So, you know, yeah. whatever it is, like crazy, wild, pie in the sky reasons. But through that play, it opens up my mind to the possibility that it can exist. It's just yeah. like it opens the door. And if I, if I take the time to play with it and let the door open, then the real ways that it can happen have a chance to be seen. And usually through those eight or 10 or 12 play ways, I piece together the real way that it can happen. And that, that to me is like such a different mindset. You know, I mean, I'm so used to people like uh, a friend of mine wants to get this job and says, Oh, I can't get, I can't, I'll never be able to have that job because of this. I'm like, okay, so for the rest of your life, you're going to live inside this clear plastic dome that says, nope, I cannot have that. And so we started playing the game. I'm like, play the game. Look at all the different magic ways that could happen that maybe don't make sense, that maybe exist in, you know, several other dimensions away from here or la la land or wherever it is. And let the door open. And that to me, oh gosh, that's exactly what you're saying. That's sort of like your JFT. It's, it opens the door. I love that. I, and, and that's incredible. And, and that's the, and that's the really cool thing too, about having a goal like that, like having a goal of getting this certain job or, mm-hmm. or traveling to another, another country. It, it's like, it's, it's really important in, in my world to also look at that. It's, it's not about what the goal is itself. It's about what the goal does in your life. Like mm-hmm. it's so important to recognize that if there's some big lofty goal you have mm-hmm. that even, even more important sometimes than the steps to get there is who would you need to be to even take take those mm-hmm. steps. Right, right. And if you can really slow that down and I actually like I have this for myself and I have my clients do this too, a who do I need to be list oh. for whatever for whatever it is they want to have. So for me like I have a who do I need to be list uh, in order to be successful with my business. And there's nothing on that list that has anything to do with like, you know, a number of clients or a number of dollars. Like it has it has nothing to do with any of that stuff. It has, you know, characteristics. It has like I need to be unattached to outcomes. I need to be relaxed. I need to be enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. I need to be patient and gentle with myself and and like it's this who do I need to be and so if I can sit here and really step into and embody that person who is relaxed who is enthusiastic who has fun who's courageous who's who's resilient if I can embody those qualities now that's actually what whatever goal I want to make a certain amount of money like what's really important is who I would need to be to get that and so if I focus instead on who I need to be then it makes the process that much more fun and that much more easy to actually accomplish Right, because it's a lot less, a lot less uh, brain chatter, you know, <laughs> about all the reasons you're not getting it. It's all about like here who I, when you're saying here's who I need to be to get it. That's what your brain and your mind is cycling on, not like I'm not getting this thing, you know. Yeah, and so if somebody said like, oh, I can't, I can't get this job because I don't know anybody in that industry. Well, great, like that's cool. Who would you need to be to start knowing people in that industry? Right. Like, would you need to be somebody who was had more fun connecting? Would you need to be somebody who was more comfortable getting out of their shell? Would you, you know, what would you need to do? Who would you need to be in order to be somebody who was connected to those kinds of people? And it's like, so whatever reason that you can't have something is the exact roadmap to who you need to be to get that thing. 
Jason, why aren't they teaching this in school? This is what they should teach, you know, teenagers. You know what I mean? Because they get so wrapped up in the the grades and the goals and all that. I wish that we could. That's one of my big passions in my life. If I can make like the tiniest impact on that situation to have people realize how much control they have over those choices and how much bigger they can really dream, you know? Yeah. It's so it's just so locked down right now. So that's probably another podcast episode. But um, before we get too far along, I did want to ask you something a little different. We talked a lot about your business and the work that you do to inspire people and coach and all of the growth. But I'd love to know a little bit about, more about you, like personally. Like, what do you do for fun? How do you replenish? Um, what are there some like what's your favorite place to travel so just something you know to get a little bit more of like who are you when you're out in the world when you're not yeah. jason the speaker which you probably yeah. are all the time i suspect but <laughs> well, I, I, like we talked about at the beginning anytime, anytime my mouth is open i'm jason the speaker right so, right um, so, yeah, you know it's funny i i'm really i'm pretty boring like my favorite, <laughs> i really am like my favorite thing in the world to do is to be with my wife alicia to be with our dog lola and and to like lay on the couch and watch Netflix. We just finished the newest season of Orange and New Orange is the New Black last night, and it's it would we didn't like this. <laughs> that's okay. That's a different story. But that's another podcast episode. Uh, but, but just to hang out and just like watch TV or go to movies or, mm-hmm. or go to we love going to like really fun coffee shops and and mm-hmm. I'm a big you know coffee and dessert kind of person and my wife gets into that stuff too, so that's fun and you know just really low key stuff because you know I I go a lot and I travel a lot and I'm working a lot and so. So when it's my downtime, like I don't necessarily want to do anything crazy. I want to just kind of, you know, hang out. And, mm-hmm. and with that said, I, it's funny you said about Italy. I really want to go to Italy as well. <laughs> I'm being called to go there with my wife. She's been there. She was there once for a very short time when she was like 19. She did like a three-week trek through Europe. Mm-hmm. And so she was in Italy for like a day. But we really want to go back there. And it mm-hmm. won't be this year because she's actually going on a, a retreat to Peru next month. And so basically she's using almost all of her vacation time oh, uh, to go okay. at that retreat. So it'll probably be next year. Uh, but But yeah, I would love to do that as well. But yeah, we just like to really hang out and, and just, you know, be really low key. And, and I, I'm a big TV watcher. I always have been like, mm-hmm. even now I, I don't watch the news and I don't, you know, I don't read the newspaper and things like that, but I love to watch, you know, funny shows and, and comedy stuff and, mm-hmm. and uh, some crime drama stuff. Like I'm just into, into TV. I really dig it. TV and movies. <laughs> I, I'm so glad that you admit that. People don't like to admit that as much these days. Oh, yeah, I know. I've seen that. It's like this shame thing. Like, right, oh, well, you're, right. not, you're not an enlightened, evolved being if you're watching right, you know, right. a reality TV show. Like, well, I don't care. It's, I have so many different parts of my character. And like right. whatever I feel like doing, that's, that's what I do. And I go on spurts. Like I actually, maybe you're like this, but I love the fact that I can watch an entire season of something like and like just totally binge on it. And then yeah. I'm done. Like the whole idea of weekly increments and commercials, I can't deal with anymore. But if I can watch yeah. like the Sherlock Holmes series, series, oh my gosh, I like left the planet and watched the, all the seasons <laughs> all at once. I couldn't get enough of it. In fact, I wish they would make more. I need more, you know. That's awesome. Have you seen yeah, those? I love that. They I are have, so I've, good. I've watched Elementary, but I haven't watched the, the, the Sherlock Holmes series. Oh, it's so good. You have to watch yeah. it. He's so right, brilliant. Oh my gosh. I'll put it on the list. I'll put it on the list. <laughs> All right. So um, another question I like to ask people is, you know, I, we've heard a little bit about your interests, you know, your downtime and your uh, career and your your life work interests. But is there anything that you are just sort of curious about that you're now dabbling in? Like you're looking at, hmm, I want to know more about that. Like for me, um, I pretty much have something 
every week that just catches my eye. One of them is this whole idea about the monarch butterflies and the place that they all migrate to in the winter and the experience of going there and seeing that many butterflies in one place at one time. And some of them actually um, don't survive the migration. Like their life, like they're, they're um, um, you know, um, more butterflies are being born during the actual migration project. So there's like, you know, a process. There's like this whole influx of, and how do they know that? That makes me crazy. I need to know that. So I want to go there. So um, what about you? Is there anything, <laughs> probably not as crazy as that, but that, that uh, piques your interest? I, I, w- I feel I feel like I need to find something like that because that sounds <laughs> really fun. I, I really love that. You know what's funny? So it, it's funny. Most of my interests, the things I get curious about are, are a lot of things that kind of feed into my business, but it's mm-hmm. because I, I'm just so curious about how to like engage people and how to bring more mm-hmm. people together. And so I'm always researching that and, and looking at, you know, right now my, my book is going to be coming out probably in the next month, month and a half. So I've kind of been geeking out on what book launches look like mm-hmm. and how people have really made an impact with their book. And, and they're not just using it as a business card, but how do they really help people to, to get what's in it and, and to use it in their lives and not just have it go from being, you know, self-help to shelf help. And, right. and like, so, so kind of going into that stuff, I think is really cool. And at the same time, I've always been really fascinated with, and I, and I, it's so funny. I haven't thought about this in a while. So you asking the question really brought it up for me. Is is I would love to go somewhere and make chocolate. Oh, I like that. I just I love chocolate, and I just feel like just the smell of it, and like I would love to have my hands like in the wet like chocolate before like when it's all melted and right. like putting it. In, I just. I feel like I'd love to experience chocolate in a way that I never have. I, right now, I experience it with my nose and my mouth and my hands, right. but there's such a different way of experiencing it with your nose and your mouth and your hands than what I've done so far. So I think that would be really fun. It's so funny that you say that because um, when I go back out to California again to where I was last year, I already have probably like five people I need to track down and have on the podcast because they were so <laughs> inspiring. And one of them, he seriously was on just like a vacation to South America, staying in like a, you know, someone's house or whatever, you know, just some other family that he was with. And they made chocolate like from scratch. I mean, like as scratch as you can get, like here are the beans off the plant and let's do the next steps. And they made chocolate while they were there. And he experienced that. And he was so, um, I don't know, overcome or called or inspired by that, that he came back and, and he's an engineer, so it's not his mark, you know, it's not his field at all. Yeah. And he designed a small factory to make chocolate and he makes wow. you know, gourmet chocolate or whatever you want to call it, like handmade chocolates that, I mean, and they were so good and he was selling them at the farmer's market, but his story was so cool about the way that he went about it. Like he, he got this spark of passion and then he spent about a year you know, researching, reading, you know, probably watching a lot of a lot of YouTubes like we all do when we're learning how to do something. Yeah, um, right. Went back, you know, and all those things and just started collecting all of the information to become a craftsman at making chocolate. And then, you know, he basically left his work and be and, and built this chocolate, this small chocolate factory and makes chocolate and sells it locally. You know, it is, you know, it's branded and he's moving it out to a little bit bigger scale, but it's still going to be this small craftsman chocolate. And I thought, you know, he just like lit up when he talked about it. And 
Ah, that's what it is. That's what it's all about, right? Getting that spark that of what's is. right for you. So um, I will make sure that I get you some of his chocolate the next time I go out there and send it on yeah, over to and, you. Yeah, and if and if he's looking for like a Charlie to unwrap a golden ticket, like, <laughs> take over the factory. I, you know, but I, I can, I'm sure I can find somebody to play my grandpa and, 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 and take over the place. I'm totally good with that. So but the question is, where are you going to find those really sketchy nightgowns that they slept in? <laughs> those no, grandparents I mean, in that bed? Oh, I remember oh my that. Gosh. And how they, all four of that. You know, it's funny. <laughs> and it's so funny that, that that came up because I actually talk about that. Like, do you remember the, the Gene Wilder vert, like the Gene Wilder film? Oh, yeah, the, definitely. So, so there's, you know, they have the Wonkavator at the end, right? That like flies up through the glass and, and they're, you know, they're hovering over the TV. <laughs> right. It's so cool. And I love it because like in that scene, Charlie and Grandpa, is it Grandpa Joe? Is that his name? Yes. Grandpa, yes. Yeah. Charlie, Grandpa Joe and, 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 and Willy Wonka, they're in the elevator and, and Charlie and Grandpa Joe are looking down and like, oh, look, it's our house. It's our school. Everything's so beautiful. And, and, I, and I think it's such a beautiful, touching moment. And then at the same time, like, you know, I watched it as a kid and didn't think any of it. Right. And then I watched it as an adult and I'm like, wait a second. This is the same school and house that you were complaining about being like, you know, poverty. But but that's the thing, right? When we when we when we get a higher perspective, right. when we raise our and we th- see things from a different perspective, mm-hmm. all of a sudden these things are beautiful. So so that scene is actually to me a beautiful lesson in manufacturing that. I might have to go back and watch that again. <laughs> it's totally worth it. I know it, it is. It's I, that. I mean, that entire movie is etched in my mind for so many reasons. Not because I love chocolate that much, which I totally do, but yeah. um, just the idea of being in that magical factory and the the characters. They were so animated. Yeah, that that was one of the classics for sure. In fact, incredible. I won't even watch the new version. Johnny Depp, right? No offense, Johnny. Yeah, Depp. I, I watched it and I was so disappointed. <laughs> I, I think I think I I think I went home from the theater and watched the old one. Like I, as soon as I saw the Johnny <laughs> Depp one, I went home and like cleansed my palate with the original. <laughs> perfect and perfect uh, description of what you had to do with the chocolate factory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, this is so good. Well, I am. It has been such a pleasure talking with you and laughing and feeling lit up and. Um, I cannot wait to get you some chocolate from California. And I want to ask a little bit more, though, one more question before we wrap about the book. Yeah. So what is the book? Tell me about the book, the title, yeah, so the, what it's about. Yeah, the, the, the book is called Prison Break. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was actually named by by my coach, Steve Chandler. I had a different name for it. And he's like, why don't you call it Prison Break? I'm like, that's genius. <laughs> uh, so, and, and the reason it's genius is because the entire book is really, you know, stories and simple distinctions and 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 corrections to fundamental misunderstandings about the way the world works mm-hmm. to help people shift from being a prisoner of our circumstance to being a self-leader. Mm-hmm. So it's all about self-leadership, inner leadership, leading from the inside out, uh, really seeing the 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 ownership and, and the courage that we can have, the creativity that we can bring to our world and how that perspective, it's not a personality type. You're not born or and you don't become permanently a prisoner or a, or a self-leader in any given moment, right? Kind of like just for today, but even at a more granular level, in any given moment, you have the choice to look through the lens of being a prisoner of circumstance where mm-hmm. you have no control and life uses you and your energy is completely wasted trying to you know mold and modify and manipulate the things around you or you can step into looking at life through the lens of a self-leader which says you know I'm a self-leader I'm, I'm, I'm a thought leader I look at my thoughts I challenge my thoughts I see what would serve me I make empowering choices I'm creative with what's going on I know that creativity will always trump circumstance in my world and I can actually use life instead of you know having life use me so it's this whole kind of you know book about distinctions going back and forth on how you transition and any given moment from being a prisoner to being a self-leader. 
Well, I can't wait to see that and read that. That sounds amazing. And I, you know, when it kind of reminds me of something that that I've noticed since I went through some changes myself, which was once I stepped into that, being that person, you know, the self-leader, using that term, it almost yeah. gave everybody around me the same permission. Mm, yes. You know what I mean? It's like the more I stayed in that mode of like, I don't have choices or I, you know, I can't or I, you know, whatever it was, whatever was holding me back, um, that seemed, that was the model I was creating for the people around me. And once I stepped into it, I noticed now that, you know, two or three or four years have gone by, how they really have, I gave them permission to step into who they are. And it's such a beautiful thing to see, you know? Yeah, it, it really is. And, and you nailed it. I mean, you get something at such an advanced level that a lot of people don't is, you know, when I do keynotes or trainings or seminars, and I'm talking about the art of self leadership, which is kind of my signature thing that I'm usually talking about. Mm-hmm. People will ask me, like, how do I get other people to be self leaders? Like, I get it. I get what it means for me. How do I make other people do it? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, if, if you look at the term self leader, it's impossible. You can't bestow that upon anybody. You can't right. grant self leadership. It has to come from the inside out. But, but the number one thing you can do is really be the model of that. Mm-hmm. And, and for a lot of people, you know, people don't choose to be prisoners because they want to be sad or because they're stupid. Mm-hmm. It's because a lot of times they just haven't had it modeled. They don't know what mm-hmm. it looks like. It's, it's a foreign language and it's a foreign way of being. I didn't have that modeled for me. I, I grew up in a prisoner household. I became a prisoner. If you grow up in a household that speaks French, you speak French. You're not stupid that you don't know English. You just weren't raised with English. Right. And so, so it becomes this thing where once people see in their world that there are other options and they see someone like you who's living as a self-leader, they say, oh, wow, maybe that's possible for me. Right. Right. And that is the most powerful way to help other people do that for themselves. And, and it's powerful, yet it's so subtle. I mean, just, it's yeah. just basically making choices that that enhance your life, you know, and make make your life feel more passionate, make you feel more in it, you know, and, and in charge of it. And so it's it's a really inter- it was it's been a really interesting observation. Like I didn't even notice it at first. It took a while. And now I can look back and, and realize really the impact of that change. So it really wasn't just for me. At, at first, people might view it as selfish. Oh, you're choosing to go work out instead of make breakfast? Yep, that's what I'm doing, you know. Yeah. Seems selfish. But in the end, when you see a year down the road or two years down the road, you can see how filling up that bucket for myself, proving to my that's my what I call proving to myself I matter. When I go to the gym, it's sort of my little like checkbox that, yep, today you matter, which is important. Um, Not that I don't know it, but it's one of those, it's like my, it's just my um, habit, you know, and, and then for them to see that gave them, had them start looking at ways to prove to themselves that they matter each day, you know, because I I was certainly showing them that they mattered to me by doing all the things that I was doing, but it was, um, you have to know that within yourself, nobody else can tell you that, you know? Absolutely. Um, and then just to circle back really quickly on um, the book launch, I, I had this really, I wanted to share this really cool idea with you and I hope you're okay with me sharing it on the call. Of um, course. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, uh, so Elizabeth Gilbert, the writer who wrote Eat, Pray, Love and Big Magic, her most recent yep. was Big Magic. Um, she did a really cool thing with the launch of Big Magic that I, I really loved. And I'm a big fan of hers to begin with. And Big Magic is a super inspiring book that I enjoy. But what she did is she um, put out, you know, she's got a, a large social network following like you do. And she put out on her social network, you know, that if people would like to um, bring to her any issues they're having with following their creativity, you know, the thing that they want to do, whether it's, you know, write songs or um, launch a podcast or um, <laughs> write a book or whatever it is, 
Um, yeah. If they're having some sort of like block or obstacle that's stopping them from doing it, write in and they would select, you know, eight or 10 of them and do a podcast conversation with them. Oh, wow. So you can find it out on iTunes and I think it's called Big Magic or something like that. But I think that would be such a brilliant idea for what you're doing if you put out on your you know, world, all of your social network and, and gave people an opportunity to ask you questions or ask for uh, to help solve maybe things that are preventing them from stepping into their self-leadership and then did a podcast about it. Um, you'll get the full format if you go out and listen to a couple of them. So she brings in like she, you know, talks with the person. Well, she gets the letter, gets a little background, has her people get some more background, I think, and then um, gets on the call with them. And then on the next podcast, she brings in someone who sort of could give that person advice, you know, who has some oh, really wow. great experience with that and has that conversation with that person. So it's sort of a two-parter for each one. But it's really fascinating. I know I'm going into a lot of detail here, but I found it really fascinating because what you want to do is show that real people can do these things, right? Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure you have lots of examples in the book, but there's something about the voice. You know what I mean? About having. I love that. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. That's that's super creative, and I love that. And it makes sense she would do something like that because she is. She's incredible, and she does such amazing stuff. That's awesome. And she's super real, and I like that. Just like you, I like that. So Thank you so much. I appreciate that, and it's been so much fun to be here with you. And you're doing incredible work. I love what you've put together here and what you're continuing to put together. And uh, I'm just a huge fan of yours, and thanks for inviting me on. Thank you for being here, Jason. I hope we will do it again. Definitely. I can't wait. All right. See you. All right. All right. Bye-bye. I can't imagine feeling anything but energized after this conversation. Jason exudes enthusiasm and optimism, like the kind I want to bask in. The line that really stuck with me the most of all the areas we went was when he said this. The thing I created to protect me is now the thing that I use to project me out into the world. Such a great reminder to look at where we struggled, what we built in overcoming the struggle, and how we are or can use that to create the lives we want now. Hope that resonated with you too. Thanks for listening.